You know, John in 1 John reminds us that we love him because he first loved us. We didn't have enough sense to pursue him. <laughs> but how thankful we are he pursued us. Amen. Now abide in faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We'll get to that. We'll get to love here after a while. But this morning, we want to focus once again on, on hope. And uh, I want to I try to... I want to try to accomplish all that's before us. We'll see. We shall see. But let me begin by just saying that there are two types of people on the planet. Two types of people. Number one, those who are hoping to live. Those who are hoping to live. Now, those are the ones who say that, uh, you know, I, I hope I stay healthy. I hope nothing bad happens to me. I hope things work out in this relationship that I'm in. I hope I don't lose my job. I hope I have health insurance. I hope my kids turn out okay. And some of you are saying, you know, I, I really hope that uh, I'll make it through this relationship without ending up killing the other person in the relationship. You know, we used to, we used to tease our kids often, you know, that, that there, was, there was discipline, but uh, capital punishment was, you know, not acceptable. We couldn't go that far with your kids. But there are those who are hoping to live. In other words, they have this, this anticipation, this thing, that, that what's out there and what's in the future and what's part of their lives as they go forward, they hope it'll come to pass as they envision it. They, they hope that it will come to fruition as they see it. They are constantly living life hoping, hoping. The problem is that so many people who live their lives, those that are hoping to live, They've really forgotten God in the equation. I mean, God is there. Maybe they're a believer. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you actually believe the truth of the gospel. But you're still persuaded and moved and even swayed by, by the way the world weaves into our psyche from, from the time we're very young about how, you know, you, you need to really focus and hope and dream and maybe in the end it'll come to pass. In the book of Job, one of Job's friends was sharing a few things and you'll notice in Job chapter 8 verses 10 to 13, it says, The wisdom of the past will teach you. The experience of others will speak to you, reminding you that those who forget God have no hope. They have no hope. 
They are like rushes without any mire to grow in or grass without water to keep it alive. Suddenly it begins to wither even before it is cut. Those who forget God have no hope. They are hoping to live. They are hoping things get better. They are hoping for the best. But because they have forgotten God, they really have no hope. It's not like, it's not like the anchor of their lives and the anchor of their soul, which we'll get to in a minute, expanding briefly on what we did last week. Secondly, though, the second type of person on the planet are those who are living in hope. Living in hope. You know, it's powerful when you read First Peter chapter 1. Peter says, Give praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth and a living hope. New birth and living hope. You get this kind of a hope, this gift from God that we started a couple weeks ago. You get it as a result of being born again, born anew. It's part of your new identity. It's part of your past and your future and all the things that God has done, making things brand new. It's also part of your present. Gives you a new birth and living hope. This hope is living because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The hope that you have as a Christian, as a Christ follower, the hope that's like a rock to your life, is based on the fact that the one who provides it for you, the one who gives it to you, is alive. That's why, that's why it's not something you hope for, it's something you hope in. Your hope is in Christ. He says, this is a gift that can never be destroyed, never spoil, never even fade away. This gift of hope, this gift that God gives of hope... That's what you possess when you become connected to and tied to the person of Jesus Christ. When you put your trust and your confidence in Him and Him alone, He gives you this gift of hope. And as we found out last week, this gift of hope is an anchor for the soul, sure and strong, Hebrews 6.19. And two things that we didn't really mention last week that I want to mention here about this anchor of the soul, this hope, is that this anchor has two primary purposes. Number one is to keep you from drifting. And secondly, is to keep you stable in the midst of life's storms. When you think about ships and the sea, they lay down anchor so they don't just drift away. Some of you can identify with this. I remember when I was younger, I used to do this a lot. I loved it. You just go out there and lay on your back in the ocean, look up into the sky. And then after about 10, 15 minutes, you look up and you go, oh, look where I am. You just kind of drift away, float away. I always thought that was fun. I'm sure my parents and the lifeguards didn't think it was so hot, but it didn't matter to me. I just float, 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 and then I decided to come back and float, float, float some more. I could do it all day. I remember I used to do it all the time in the Caspian Sea. 
just kind of float and you drift. You don't, you don't you simply end up in the same place when you have no anchor. You drift. And in life, it's the same way. If you're not tied down, if you don't have an anchor, if you don't have this living hope in you, you're going to start to find yourself drifting. And some of you have already drifted to the point where you've just woken up and realized, how did I get so far away? How is it that God is way over there? I didn't do anything. No, that's right. You didn't. It just floated. An anchor keeps you from drifting. An anchor keeps you. It only only allows you a certain sphere to drift before it kind of jerks on you. And that's why this hope is so important because it is the anchor. It is living hope. It's not dead. It's alive. And Jesus is living. And so when you're connected to him and he's connected to you, he is constantly keeping you at that particular tether that allows you to only go so far. And then he tugs and he tugs. The other reason for this anchor, as I mentioned, the anchor of the soul is to keep you stable in the midst of storms. I mean, you go out there in the midst of a storm and you lay down the anchor in order to keep the ship from being toppled over and destroyed in the midst of massive storms. Have you seen anchors? Big ones? How about a seven and a half ton anchor? How about, how about the chains that go with that anchor that make people look like little tiny Legos? We're talking massive anchors for some of these incredible ships out there. Because they need it. They need it. By the way, the smaller your faith, the smaller anchor you need. The bigger your faith, the bigger your connection, the bigger your relationship the bigger the anchor you need. And Jesus, he can be as small as you want him to be or he can be as big as he really is. An anchor for your soul to keep you from drifting away, to keep you stable in the midst of life's storms because we all know life is full of storms. Stuff happens. (laughs) Every day stuff happens. And if you're not in a storm... Just wait a day or two. I don't want to be a prophet of doom, but just wait a day or two. So there's two kinds of people, those who are hoping to live and those who are living in hope. Which one are you? There are two basic plans for your life. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where on this planet you exist. There are two basic plans for your life in the life of every single individual. Number one, there is a plan for death. There's a plan for death. There is. Can you believe that? There's actually a plan for your destruction and your demise. John 10.10, the very first part of the verse, it says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to rob, steal, and destroy, to to come in order to steal your joy, to kill your hope and, and destroy your peace. His plan for your life is a plan of death, not life. And he's constantly busy. In fact, 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, he says, Be careful, watch out for attacks from Satan. 
your great enemy, he prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. His plan for you is your destruction. His plan for you is to untether you. His plan is to unhook you from you, the anchor of your soul. His desire is to get you to drift without thinking you're drifting. His goal is to move you inch by inch by inch, slowly but purposefully, away from the living God. He's headed for damnation. Satan is, is really the dead one walking. And his purpose is to take you with him. His purpose is death. Secondly, there's a plan for life. In the very same passage in John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, My purpose is to give life to you in all of its fullness. My purpose is to give you life. Life, more abundantly. This life is in His Son. I, Paul, am writing this letter. I'm I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. Just as God planned, He sent me to tell you about the promise of life that's found in Christ Jesus. Which plan do you want to adopt? (laughs) Do you want a plan for your death and destruction, or do you want a plan for life? It's really, really simple. But you know, it's so important that we put this into this kind of simple, clear perspective, because a lot of people are confused, and they're living in a fog, and that's part of the design of the evil one. Clarity is not part of his desire for your life. He thrives in confusion. And the Bible tells us, thankfully, God is not the author of confusion. So there's two kinds of people, those who are hoping to live and those who are living in hope. And there's two plans that, there, that exist for your life. A plan for your death, your demise, your destruction, the stealing of your joy, the, the robbing of your your hope and the absolute destruction of your peace, or there's a plan for life. Life. And when it comes to life, when it comes to the life that you and I live, and it comes to this hope that we're talking about, the options are really simple. They really are. The options are you can either panic or pray. You can panic or you can pray. It is, it is so important for me to remind you and to be reminded this morning that most of the things that you and I face in life, we can't do anything about. Most of the stuff that, that we look at and deal with on a regular basis from week to week, we don't have control over. How many of you have noticed that it's hot in Arizona in the summertime? (laughs) And yet, I don't know how many times Arizonians come out of their homes and it's wishful thinking, maybe today just a couple of degrees. (laughs) You know what else? 
It's really amazing, but it's true. When you go through life, you face challenges and changes and things that happened. You know, when you get older, your body doesn't function the way it did when it was younger. And when you were younger, you didn't have a clue what your body was going to do when you got older. And when you got older, you realized you didn't appreciate what you had when you were younger. So you find yourself in a situation, right, where you come up against a new challenge, a new opportunity, as we would call it, but something that's really tough and hard, something you have to adjust to. And you can either hope to live, or you can live in hope. And he can be the anchor of your soul. The options are you can either panic have an anxiety attack, get all frustrated, get all disturbed and and allow what's happening, allow the storm, allow the change, allow the situation to destroy your peace and your calm, which by the way is someone's plan for you. Or you can pray to the one who has a plan for life. You can panic or you can pray. You know, that's true in really every situation. Everyone. Jesus used a parable, Luke 18, 1, to teach his followers to show them the necessity that they should always pray and never lose hope. Pray and not faint, some translations say. Never become discouraged. So you have a choice. Pray or panic. There's all kinds of panic forms. Panic shows up in lots of interesting ways. But underlying in most of the situations that we face when it comes to panicking is an attempt to control something we have no control over or to fix something that we really can't fix and we're wondering how on earth we're going to make it through it, but we're trying so hard to do it. It only feeds into his plan, the enemy's plan for you. To destroy your peace, steal your joy, and to kill your hope. So Jesus makes it very clear, Luke 18.1. He says you can either panic or you can pray. Paul even says in uh, Philippians 4.6, he says, Don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything. Be anxious for nothing. Pray. Pray. In fact, Jesus taught his disciples. In the Gospel of Luke, the disciples came to Jesus because they had seen him and watched him pray, and they said, will you teach us how to do that? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll teach you. When you pray, this is how you pray. And he shared with them how to pray. And so this morning, I want to turn your attention to that prayer in Matthew. That prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Verses 9 to 13. It's underlined here in your notes. And I basically want to run through the various passages of Scripture that relate to his prayer as he taught the disciples how to pray, as he teaches us how to pray. And what I want to do is I want to just focus briefly on the various areas of life that lead people to a place of being hopeless, losing their hope. And the prayer aspect of keeping us hope-filled 
The first one, when you feel alone or abandoned. When you feel alone or abandoned, pray. Pray, our Father in heaven. Because you have a heavenly Father who will never abandon you, who will never leave you, will never forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5, God himself said, I will never fail you or abandon you. You will never be alone. You will never be abandoned by God. Never, ever, ever. So when you feel that way, you can panic, you can get anxious, you can fret about it, or you can pray. You can say, Father. By the way, there's a difference between saying a prayer, reading a prayer, and praying a prayer. There are people that pray this prayer. That is to say, they say this prayer regularly. Some people say it daily. But praying it and understanding what you're praying, that makes a difference. You know, when you feel powerless, when you feel totally powerless, when life seems out of control, when, when you just kind of feel like nothing is ever going to change, you're in a rut, you're stuck. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. May your name be set apart. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. A righteous person rushes to it and is lifted up above the danger. There is no other name given among men whereby you can be saved. There is no greater, powerful, more powerful name than the name of Jesus. So when he talks about hallowed be thy name, he's talking about exalting the name of Christ because in the name of Jesus Christ, all things are possible. Thirdly, when you see no purpose, you see no purpose, you just kind of are going through the motions, you're waking up, you're going to work, you're going through your day, you're coming home, you're going to bed, you're waking up, you just kind of feel like you're on a treadmill and you're not going anywhere. This, this life just seems to have no purpose. You can panic about that and you can wonder, you can start to think, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? And you can start looking at your navel and all kinds of other stuff that people do around the world to figure out why they're here. Or you can pray about it. You can say, you know what? Your kingdom come. God, I want your kingdom in my life because that's his purpose for you. Psalm 86, 11 says, Lord, teach me your ways. I will live and obey your truths. Help me make worshiping your name the most important thing in my life. Another translation says, unite my heart to worship you. Unite my heart. When you think you have no purpose, you need to focus on the one and the place where your citizenship reigns. For when you're grieving a major loss in your life, grieving a major loss in your life. I remember when my, my brother Tom died, and for many people it was, it was um, kind of surprising, I guess, those who were, who were around me at that time when I was living in Pennsylvania and so on. It just was before I was going to college, and it was just one of those major, major challenges for me. I remember also the same, the same feeling that I had, again, when Ruth Ann's 
mother died, her dad too, but her mother most recently. Grieving a major loss. And you wonder why. Or maybe you've had a child or you know someone who's had a child and, and they've been taken. And I understand that many people say that a parent should never outlive their ch- children. Well, that's something that we hope for. But it's not a hope we live in. Life is not predictable. But when you're grieving a major loss, you need to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You need to pray in submission that God's will would be accomplished. Even though you don't understand it, even though you can't figure it out, when you can't, when you can't trace his hand and you don't understand, the songwriter says, trust his heart. Trust his heart. Because God is at work in you, making you willing and able to obey him. Number five, when your needs aren't met. You know, when you really have needs and they're not being met. (laughs) You can all identify with panicking over that, can't you? Well, you can panic or you can pray. Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me today what I need for today. Don't pray for what you need tomorrow. You know, grace is the same way. God gives us grace according to the challenges and the need of the moment. God never gives you grace for tomorrow's problems. You cannot stockpile grace. You cannot stockpile stuff either. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can be prudent and wise and all of that. We're not talking about that, but we're talking about the fact that you and I need to understand that our focus and our blessing in our lives and the one who is is really responsible for meeting our needs is God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. The rest of that passage is pretty awesome too. God will take care of you. The question is, are you going to panic or are you going to pray? Are you going to try and work it out or are you going to let God do it? What do you, you, you choose. It's really simple. Panic or pray. Number six, when you've done something wrong. When you've done something, there are a lot of people in life who did something wrong and they are still feeling like they can never get over it, never go on, never move forward. They failed. They have put themselves in a position where life is now no longer worth living for them. They messed up. They messed up. Well, you can panic about it and get depressed about it. Or you can pray and you can say, forgive us our debts, which by the way, he does. He does when you come to him forgives all your sins. Colossians 1.27. But Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Zero. None. None. Number seven, when you have been wounded. When you've been wounded. And by the way, once again, all of these, but this one 
let me just say to you, if you haven't been wounded yet today, it's not over yet. There's still room today for you to get wounded. And, and you probably will. You probably will. When you're wounded, what do you do about it? Panic? Try to fix it? Try to work around it, manipulate it? Who knows what we do, but we do the wrong things so often instead of praying. Forgive our debtors. Forgive. Forgive. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Forgive them. When you're wounded, forgive. You know, when you're going the wrong way, that is to say that when you're stuck in a, in a mode of temptation, when you have found yourself in a direction in your life that is, that is completely headed away from God, and you just say to yourself, I just can't, I can't, I can't seem to stop. Kind of like Paul in Romans chapter 7 where he says, the things I want to do I don't do and the things I don't want to do I do. He says, who's going to save me from this wretched body? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. So you can pray. Lead us not into temptation. Lead me not into temptation. You can pray. Because there's no temptation that's overtaking you but that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will make a way. God will make a way. He'll make a way in his time, in his way, for his glory and for our good. I love that old spiritual, you know, um, he may not come when you want him to, but he's always right on time. Always right on time. So as Jesus said to his disciples, keep praying and don't lose hope. Don't faint. When you're debilitated by fear, when you're debilitated by fear, Anxiety, terror, all you see is just destruction and darkness and doom and gloom. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. You know and I know, and let's just be honest with each other. You can't put your hope and confidence and trust in politics. You can't do it. I remember somebody saying that, you know what politics is? It's made up, two, made up of two words. One is poly, which means there's a lot of them. And the other one is ticks. They suck everything out of you. <laughs> We're living in an election year right now. 
And some people are going mad, literally going crazy, thinking, this is the one that's our Savior. No, that's the one that's our Savior. I have, I have news for all of us. There's only one Savior. There's only one Jesus. And He's the only one who can give you a hope that will never fade away. But there are people today that are hoping their candidate will win. They're putting everything on the line. Everything. When you are debilitated by fear, there's some that are absolutely terrified. Absolutely terrified. I've heard it from both sides of the aisle. Some people are terrified that if Trump gets elected, we are in doom. I've heard others say that if Hillary gets elected, we are absolutely headed for disaster. I mean... (sighs) Hope. Hope in God. Hope in God. You have a responsibility. Do your due diligence. Do some study. Make a decision. But hope in God. Don't put your entire future on someone that's going to make it into that White House. Some people do the same thing when it comes to their workplace. They put all of their hope, all their eggs in the basket of this job. This job. Some people are scared to death they're going to get fired. Some people are scared to death that they they think something's going to happen and the economy is going to drop off the face of the earth. They're not going to have any way of supporting family. If you enjoy feeling that way, just keep panicking. Go ahead. Don't steal my joy. Don't steal my peace. Don't destroy my calm and hope. Because that's a plan from the evil one. When you feel that fear, literally, when you sense that terror that you can't get out, maybe you're in a relationship and you're thinking, I will never, ever, ever get out of this. Believe me, I've talked to people who feel that way. The answer is to pray. Deliver us from the evil one. The answer is not, Lord, deliver me from him or her. The answer is not, deliver me from this horrible economy. The answer is not, deliver me, God, from this political situation we are in. The answer is, deliver me from the evil one because the evil one's goal and objective is to destroy you. Rob, steal, destroy. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. And then, finally, when you're overwhelmed by defeat, you know, many of us don't feel and understand this, but there are some people who literally reach the place where they feel that they are done, they're finished, they they are losing, they're on the losing side, they're not going to win, it's a hopeless situation, might as well just put up the white flag and surrender. There are some who come to this conclusion because life is hard. 
because they've been hoping for so long for something else and it didn't happen and they've reached a point where they've decided that it will never happen. Even though they say the right words and they speak the right language inside, they're constantly panicking, constantly anxious, constantly trying to fix something they can't fix and constantly trying to tether their own lives to all kinds of various things the world has to offer and it doesn't help and it doesn't work and they come to the place where they're defeated. I feel like they're on the losing team. I don't know if you've ever played sports, but there's really there's really a a challenge when it comes to sports. If you are on a losing team, I mean if you do nothing but lose all the time, Every time you go out and play, you end up losing, 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 losing. You never win. That can really put you in a place of defeat. If your entire goal and objective is to end up winning the competition in the time allotted, if that's your objective, if that's your goal, but you never make it, you never measure up. The time always runs out and you always lose. It's easy to be defeated. That's the kind of life that people are constantly hoping will never happen to them. But I'm here to give you good news. The clock runs out when God says so. And the Bible makes it really clear that he who began a good work in you is going to perfect that work. He's going to complete that work. He is going to make a masterpiece out of you. Your timetable, my timetable, and the timetable the world puts upon us leads to hopelessness. But when you're living in hope, you realize the clock's not going to run out. <laughs> the work that God started in you and in me, He is going to work that out through eternity because that's how long we've got. Amen. And even before then, when we arrive in His very presence, we will be perfect and complete, the Bible says. So what's the answer when you feel defeated? You need to pray, recognize. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Yours. I'm on the winning team. I'm on the winning team. I just heard a story, I read a story rather, about a, a boy who was absolutely determined as an optimist. And the parents were concerned because they thought this kid doesn't get it. He's always looking at, at things from a positive perspective. He never gets defeated. He never gets discouraged. And one of these days he's going to get discouraged. And how's he going to handle that? And so they decided to do something that was obviously kind of, kind of mean, but they decided they'd do this because they thought, you know, they'd have to, to, to get his attention. And so this is just a, a young boy, not very old, and they decided that they were going to, for Christmas, they were going to package all these packages, like 20, 30 packages, with manure and fill them in his room. And so Christmas comes along and the kid goes in and he's hunting, you know, and, and they're waiting for him to come out, finally coming to terms with reality, you know. And, 
And the kid comes down, he's all gross and smelly and stuff like that. And they look at him, he's smiling, and they're saying, what's the deal? He says, I just know if I keep digging, I'm going to find that pony. What are you digging for? What are you digging through? Whose team are you on? The Bible says his faithfulness was renewed every single morning. His power is made great in our weakness. He is able. I'm with him. How about you? Isaiah 43 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you cross the rivers, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Nor will the flames hurt you. This is because I, the Lord, am your God. What you going to do? Panic or pray? Let's pray. And you pray with me the underlined portion of your, your notes. Let's read it together and pray it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.